You are listening to Water Flying, a show dedicated to all things seaplanes. Brought to you by the Seaplane Pilots Association. My name is Steve McCoy. I'm the executive director of the Seaplane Pilots Association, which is the world's largest nonprofit advocacy organization dedicated to the protection and promotion of the water flying community. Climb aboard. We're about to start today's episode. Well, Abby and I are sitting here with Eric Weaver. And I tell you what, I'm, I'm, we're a little bit out of breath. We just got off, literally just got out of a video public hearing with the town commission of the city of East Hampton, New York, who is proposing a local ordinance that would ban seaplane operations in its uh, township. So, Eric, uh, a pleasure, unexpected pleasure or not pleasure because we're sitting here fighting for water. Well, you know, it's always it's it's always a challenge, but it's always good to uh, it's always good to catch up and and uh, have a little bit of FaceTime with everybody here in in Lakeland or in actually Winterhaven in Winterhaven now. now. Yeah, and we go back like seventeen years now or something. It's been like a, that. it's been a while. In two thousand three, I think we did uh, we did a little project. You were working with Water Flying Magazine back then. We did a little video, and and then later on, I uh, was working at it was before the advocacy for lake easy and then uh later on you became executive director and here we are again yeah and you were flying a stinson 108 a blue stinson 108 at the time i think you were a private owner operator i was that uh, was that was not long after i w- was a brand new minted seaplane pilot yeah we did some pretty cool flying uh we went out to a wonderful clear spring did some film work out there it was uh it was we pretty did. good times it was great it was out, up on lake george it was beautiful it was a beautiful day too i remember that Hard to believe it's been that long. And uh, so Eric and I have this this long history together, and I'm glad we could come together, even though it's on a less than positive issue today. And uh, Abby has a little bit of a history with you as well. Yeah, Eric, so great to see you. It's good to see you too. So we've kept in touch, but Eric actually gave me my first seaplane job. Um, I met his wife, Caroline, in the gym. And she said, wow, you should meet my husband. He's the chief pilot of this caravan operator up in New York. Like, all right, he's not going to hire me because I only have like 10 hours of seaplane time, but sure, I'll talk to him. But yet, but yet I did. Yet, yet, yet you I did. did. Yet I did. Yet you yes. did. Wasn't you that gave, a mistake? You gave her the opportunity. And she did great that summer. It was, it was a good summer. It was a really fun summer. I learned so much. I mean, just the experiences and flying a thousand feet over LaGuardia every day. So I know, I've talked about you in previous podcasts. Don't know if you've heard, but I, I, I have just, not. I'm very I have thankful. not. <laughs> just really thankful of everything you've done for me. So great oh, to well, see you again. It was a pleasure. It, it was, was pretty pleasure. cool. We we literally got out of the uh, town council meeting, and I had Eric here. He was looking at his watch, and I said, "Can you give me a half hour, Abby? Get your rear in here. We're going to record a podcast because I think it's really important to." express to you guys, the members and the listeners, what Seaplane Pilots Association is doing. What is our value? Our value is what we just did. We're fighting for water. We're fighting for your rights. And we're trying to keep this wonderful way of life uh, that we enjoy open uh, for seaplane pilots. SBA in action. That's right. So the city of East Hampton, New York, has been struggling with expressing concerns about safety prevention of negative impacts to the environment by seaplanes, and then also invasive species, which I think we did a pretty good job of addressing today. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But Eric, what, what's what's the typical flight profile? I mean, what's going on at East Hampton with uh, seaplanes? Well, it, with seaplanes, seaplanes have been a big part of, uh, 
of the flying in East Hampton and in the in the waters in the tidal waters that surround that area in the in Peconic Bay and Gardner's Bay, which is an area between the North and South Fork of Long Island, and uh, of course we utilize the the airport as well, uh, East Hampton Airport, and ultimately I, I kind of believe that this is maybe a, a broader push of. Uh, there's a lot of, of push against the airport there and operations at the airport. And, and so I think the city is maybe stretching its hands further into into restricting aviation in general. I think that seems to be kind of the tendency that, that things are where things are headed. And uh, we've, you know, but we've enjoyed using those waters out there as a, both as a commercial operator. I'm, I'm no longer with a, with a, a part 135. I'm work for a, for a single part 91 flight department and we use those waters exclusively and extensively uh to move our client around in and out of the waters around east hampton so what's the situation looking like right now like what is east hampton attempting to do well it appears that east hampton is attempting to close the waters within a certain range uh which we haven't really even determined what that what that distance is from shore basically a complete ban of seaplane operations be it landing, taking off, um, which I actually think is probably relatively reasonable uh, to an area of not even allowing the aircraft to be uh, beached or taxi through those waters. Well, that's the problem. It's not the landing and the taking off that is really any issue. but it, And then it goes a step further where there's embarking and disembarking where we it seems that we are not going to be permitted to even enter those waters under water tax, under idle taxi or a low speed t- uh, taxi, and then even do a boat transfer because that's specifically banned by their by the ordinance that they're proposing right now. How does that even seem possible, though? I mean, East Hampton, it's the city, it's the land. How do they think that they control the water surrounding the area? You know, I, I'm not I'm not familiar enough with the specific arguments, and I, that's I my world. <laughs> and I certainly am, I certainly don't want to get into those into, and, into those types of specifics. But we, you know, that's that's what we do at the Seaplane Pilots Association and the assistance that we're offering the city. But the maps that they showed us literally created this red zone that circumnavigated all of the water there, which meant that there was literally no access that they were affording seaplanes if if they proposed this ban. There would be zero access. And it wouldn't matter if you had a dock or a a float or uh, anything. It specifically banned touching those waters, which leads into a whole bunch of other issues like how do we know where those exactly where those waters are are we going to get a are we going to is the city going to provide a gps coordinates of that border that we can put into our into our equipment so that we can see where we are you know there's there's lots of a uh, lots of uh questions about that kind of stuff but they certainly were able to pass or they haven't passed but they certainly were proposing Pretty stiff penalties for five to for, ten thousand dollars per operation and up to fourteen, 14 days. days in jail. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that so without what seems to be anecdotal information and anecdotal data on on no, both on noise and safety and environment, we're going to go passing, through those. Yeah, that we're passing a, a, a something that's got a pretty stiff penalty for a pilot. So I think you know I think you need to start all the way back in the fact that we're talking about New York and New York has been an incredibly important state 
uh, and, and place for seaplane operations historically. So in, in 1911, Curtis literally invented the step in Hammondsport, New York, which effectively made modern seaplane flying viable in the first place. Well, I think one of the very first flights, a, a proof of flights with that aircraft was from Hammondsport to yeah. New York City, I believe. Either it yeah. was the Hudson or the East River. I'm not sure which one now. But I think I remember reading that that was like one of the test the proving test it may have been albany but but it's certainly seaplanes have been a huge part of the culture in new york and specifically in new york city and then even into areas that are bordering new york connecticut and 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 peconic bay and th- those areas have been utilized extensively for years and years and years oyster bay uh there were at one time in the in the probably the 70s and 80s there were probably 15 or 20 operators that yeah, were commercially so, operating in that in those areas in 185s and 206s and yeah i mean you had so much going on sikorsky had a factory there you had uh, all kinds of stuff going on and everyone knows i mean i think that the romance of the pan am flying clipper ships well they were flying the boeing 314s and the clipper ships literally into new york city and so again this legacy of commercial seaplanes being a part of the commercial transportation system in the state of New York goes back to even Pan Am flying the clipper ships out of New York. 100%. I mean, LaGuardia was a air air and marine terminal. Edo was, yeah. Edo was, Edo was based was there, based there for, <laughs> for years. In fact, their seaplane base is still on the, still still on on the, the chart. chart. Yeah. Still on the chart. Yeah. So you have this legacy, legacy of seaplanes in the area. You have all this history of seaplanes. I mean, the route that we used to fly over LaGuardia to get into the East River, it was originally a seaplane route. It sort of got what adapted as a helicopter route and now they're fighting that it's not really a seaplane route but it is so that whole thing so where did this whole east hampton thing come from like how did this start if if there's such a history and seaplanes have been operating I know it's in this area. it doesn't it seem counterintuitive it, it seems very odd and now you have all these caravans that are attempting to move people from the city to east hampton to their homes during the weekend or back into the city at the beginning of the week so how did this start with east hampton Again, I, I think it's just a broader extension of anti. Um, it's it's kind of the cult, the kind of the cult, the way the culture has shifted. It's everything is not in my backyard. I don't like that, or I don't utilize that, so I really don't want to look at it, or I don't want to hear it, I don't want to see it, I don't even want to know about it. And so I think, sadly enough, it kind of reaches into our kind of our divisive culture that we and polarized polarized culture that we're currently living in. Yeah, and it's amazing because people seem to be desensitized to the noise that trains and road traffic and boaters. I mean, we had that discussion today in the in the hearing that, you know, the ambient noise that's produced by other forms of transportation that people accept and, and become desensitized to, but yet when they see an airplane fly over, all of a sudden it's this unacceptable target flying over because it's making noise when they've got a boat loitering in their backyard. And and I get it. Part of it is I, I totally get it. It's human nature because it's what we're not, it's, it's unusual. For some reason we accept boats more than airplanes. Right, but, the average but person. Seeing, seeing a seaplane is still for most people is a novel, is a novel sight. It's not mm-hmm. something that is a, on a regular you don't see them all the time, and if you do, uh, you either um, you you love it or you or you don't like you don't like it, and and I and I understand that, but I think this is, I think where we're at with this right now is a, a much a much broader um, 
in, indicative of a much broader fight or a much broader. Well, we know um, there's a history at, at East Hampton Airport with them not being happy with helicopter traffic and with commercial jet traffic or uh, private jet private traffic, jet, jet private traffic. Jet traffic as well. So um, I think you guys really need to be applauded, though. And, and what I want, if anyone's listening from the community of East Hampton, New York, and, and is listening to us do this show, number one, we're very sympathetic to you. And number two, we're very willing to work with you, and we want to be good neighbors. And I think that that we've expressed that, and uh, you've expressed that. A hundred percent. Like, uh, we are on board. I, I, previous In a previous career, or not previous career, previous job, I worked for, at the time, the largest seaplane carrier in the on the East End out there. And, um, you know, we, we really, the, the policy then and the policy even more now was, Let's do whatever we can. let's do everything that we can to mitigate our noise signature, and it, for years, you know, it was fly higher. And now I, I know in my own operation, in this small operation, I only operate one aircraft. I mean, we really have worked hard in coordination with the owner of Sound Aircraft and uh, his suggestions to say, "Hey, look, you know what? Do what you do the best practices, which is go around Orient Point, stay over the water, which is things that we were doing, but we've actually." really made that our standard operating procedure to take off out of the, if we were at the airport, take off, go out to Orient Point, stay over the water, get away, go South Shore, stay away from as many noise-sensitive areas as we possibly can. Obviously, if we're at the, air, at the airport or off the water, sometimes there's just places you can't avoid, not because you don't want to, but you just can't. So I can speak to that, having flown with you up in that area in that commercial operator, that caravan operator. And I, I mean, there was such care taken to follow a specific route. If we had complaints that we knew about, we tried to avoid specific houses of people that routinely complained. Um, really the SOP, the standard operating procedure was just get to the water as fast as you can get high, get, try try to get away from people, try to mitigate that noise. So it certainly wasn't a lack of attention on part of the operators to avoid these houses to create a good neighborhood impression of seaplanes. I, I agree. Like we, we really worked hard to try to make that happen. Unfortunately, most of the time or many times we've been vilified as those lousy seaplane operators or those lousy seaplane pilots. And when I think that most of the pilots that are out there, we're all working people. We're all, we're interested in, having a job and doing a good job. And if the operator is asking us to do something or, or our flight department is asking us to do something, we're, we're all professionals. Like the people, generally speaking, the people that are flying caravans on the East end of, of uh, Long Island are extremely professional, are highly trained and are at the pinnacle of their career. Like this is the, this, this is the top of the seaplane flying world in, in, on the East Coast, for sure. Absolutely. Flying right seat with a lot of you guys. I mean, just the wealth of information. There is a a few number of pilots that can successfully fly into the East River routinely and not break airplanes, not crumple airplanes. It's it's a very specific niche of good pilots it's, that can do that. It's a small niche. And there's there's lots of guys that can do it, but there's also, there's not a lot of guys that are, or not guys, there's not a lot of pilots that are doing it in general. Exactly. Yeah. And so you guys are flying a lot of high net worth individuals and, and, and you're flying yourselves. And I think that's what's important for, again, maybe the non-flying public to take out of this conversation is that 
Every, you know, if you're putting other people at risk, you're putting yourself at risk and your passengers at risk. And especially when they're high net worth individuals, they're very sensitive to the liabilities and things like that. So you're doing everything you can to protect everyone. It's not in anyone's best interest for you to operate in a hazardous manner. Absolutely. My life is worth it. <laughs> exactly. so I'd like to continue living it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I always say that you you think I want to do something that's going to endanger my life right. as a pilot? No one is lo- no <laughs> one is looking to to be hazardous or to be or or to cause a problem for someone else for sure. I mean, that's that's not the nature of what it is that we do. And and I hope that there are non-flying residents of East Hampton listening to this. So, no less than 12 times in the briefing that we received from the uh, town commission was they mentioned safety. And I think that, again, this is something very normal for us to experience at the Seaplane Pilots Association is there's this series of assumptions that are made, and and none of them are backed with real data or knowledge on on what they're proposing. And so, again, no less than 12 times they mentioned safety. They mentioned the nuisance and the hazard and the apprehension of danger and and all of this stuff and, and this proposal that they gave us, and yet... I think it's important for people to realize that the very first airline flight that ever occurred was in a seaplane, the safest airline, and those pilots are trained to the same level that you're trained, the safest airline in history, Chalks Airways, that operated from 1927 to 2005 in the Port of Miami in an incredibly congested body of water with, with huge waves because they're bouncing back and forth off of the, the sea walls in this very tight piece of water. They never had an incident where they came in contact with a boat or where they had personal injury come to one of their passengers or anything else. They had zero fatalities in 80 years of operation. So seaplane operations are not dangerous. And I would welcome the opportunity to show them any of the boating statistics or any of the other data of the different types of transportation compared to seaplanes. In that area, in the area that we're talking about, East Hampton. Exactly, exactly. And then you have examples like Kenmore Air Harbor, where you have 17,000 operations a year happening in Lake Union in downtown Seattle again. Which is a, a very confined area. A very confined area. Everything from paddle boarders to commercial boats to yachters to pleasure boats, a huge diversity, kayakers of of boating activity. And again, no safety issues in the harbor masters and the local police commend the seaplane community on their safe operations. It really speaks to the pilots and their professionalism. I mean, the commitment to the safety and understanding that this is a concern of non-aviators and they want to know that. I agree. You operating, I, I, think I don't want to be hurt in my boat. That's well. That's exactly the thing. Is I think for non aviators, for people that are, the perception can be is that oh wow that was really a hot dog move or that was really something that was ill ill placed or ill timed. And I can tell you that, like I iterated before, the people that are flying there are professionals, and they want they, their first priority is the safety of their passengers and the safety of their aircraft and the safety of the people on the water. That is what, that is what we are conditioned to do. So un- understanding though, that sometimes the perception might be different from someone that's observing it from a different perspective, from a different side or a different place. That and doesn't some, understand it, aircraft. You don't operations. understand how, how it all works together. But I can tell you from a situational uh, 
awareness standpoint, the pilot has a grand view of what is going on on the water and where things are. Now, that is not to say that a pilot couldn't make a mistake or there's not something that could get missed. But in general, as we've stated, like that just is a that is a that is a rarity that happens. Yeah. And we take responsibility for avoidance. It's it's 100 percent on the on the pilot. I mean, that's one of the one of the rules that we fly by. We are we are the least concerned we are the least uh we are the highest trained people out there doing this exactly where we don't know where the training of a boater and we know that they don't know what we're going to do so we have to take responsibility for avoidance exactly it's our responsibility and i usually say that you know us in a seaplane i don't know if those guys in a pontoon boat have been drinking yeah i don't care what time of day it is like i genuinely don't know and i'm assuming i probably had more training my students have had more training in ground school flying with me then I'm sure a lot of those boaters have. Yeah, even a, a, a freshly minted seaplane pilot has mm-hmm. probably more training than your average boater. I mean, the the freshest of, of minted seaplane pilots, and and so and none of us want to be on the headlines. It it doesn't do no. us any good to be on the front page of the newspaper or in the news cycle. No one is interested that, in that. That doesn't help our cause. No. And and so another thing that they mentioned and they they uh, were very concerned about in in this meeting in this uh, commission meeting was environmental impacts and they mentioned that and again they ha- they didn't provide any data and so again i i hope that residents of east hampton are listening to this and i want you to know again we want to help provide this information as the experts on this topic as the people who do it all the time so i work with u.s fish and wildlife the seaplane pilots association is very engaged with various government agencies and seaplanes are incredibly popular to be used by these agencies to help protect the environment whether it's repopulation fish or repopulating fish populations with with native fish whether it's fighting wildfires or whether it's u.s fish and wildlife doing bird studies and, and other wildlife studies and so we've got a quote from u.s fish and wildlife that says that they use a fleet of over 58 amphibious seaplanes, and they do so because they provide the least amount of environmental impact of any of the means of transportation uh, that they can use to go to these remote areas to conduct these wildlife studies. I think that's really important, and I think people need to understand that. If they're using it for scientific studies because it's not contaminating their results, seaplanes must be pretty clean. It's true. Agreed. It's true. I mean, I think there's, they're using seaplanes in the Adirondacks to collect water samples all over up there. And that's, again, yeah, this we know is, that this that's is, happened this at is, McNeil. <laughs> yeah, and this is happening in New York. So, and this is, again, a New York uh, issue. issue. Where seaplanes have actively been used to protect the environment and to conduct these studies. And then, you know, also they mentioned invasive species, and we're talking about salt water. Well, you know, I am a government certified and trained invasive species inspector and decontaminator at the same level as government employees do. And I can tell you that the big issue that we're worried about in the United States, mostly when the invasive species is freshwater to freshwater transmission of zebra mussels, quagga mussels, elodia, things like that. When you're talking about a saltwater body, especially one that's very close from, from Manhattan to, to uh, Long Island, where we're talking about, we're not worried about invasive species. And, and freshwater to saltwater transfer kills the invasive usually. So you're not going to be bringing anything in. It's not really a concern. And they mention it in the document. 
but there's no real basis for it. And I don't think they understand it. It was just something for them to kind of latch on to as this fear or this, you know, concern, but it really was not founded. So I know that um, I was documenting one of the trips that I had, which was really cool, was I was documenting documenting in a caravan. Um, it was this guy. I don't remember his name or anything, but he was in a speedboat, and he was circumnavigating, circumnavigating Long uh, Island. Long Island. He was looking for a speed record around Long right. Island. Yeah. Right. He didn't end up making it, very unfortunately. But my thought is, are they worried about invasive species with him? Because he went from the southern tip of Long Island to the northern tip of Long Island. I mean, well, it's not a factor. Is, it's salt water. It's right. Not, it's just not a factor. And so, why does it come into play with seaplanes? Why is that on their? Because docket? they don't understand the topic. So, again, if you're listening, you're a resident of East Hampton. I want you to know that we deal with this all day. We're every aware. Day. This is a this is a part of the equation. Yeah, as and, seaplane pilots that we're that we are thinking about. And and my job, or the the seaplane pilots association job, is to work with local, state, and federal regulators and, and to address these issues. And so we, we have experience in this, and we're not here to spread uh, falsehoods or anything else. It, it, that, that's not productive for us. We want to work with you, and all we ask is that communities, and, and when you have a city commission like this, take our offer because we said it in the meeting. You know, we want to be part of the process. We want to help mitigate your concerns. We've, I, I would say from my perspective, and I think you can speak for yourself, but this is a, as much about an education process. It's not about a, a lecture you about how good our airplanes are. It's more exactly. about the education of understanding what it is that we actually do. There's a lot of things that we do really, really well, and and we're happy to take credit for that. And it, But we're kind of getting called out on stuff that we – that uh, are getting regulated for things that we already do really, really well. Yeah. And we're happy to, 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 to talk about the things that we do well. And we're happy to talk about the things maybe that we don't do well. And that that we can, that we can, that maybe we need to alter or we need to change. Like, we're happy to do those things. That's part of the culture. I mean, look at how you've adapted your route to get into East Hampton, to get into any of those waterways on Long Island. Like, you're trying to take people's concerns into account and adapting your procedures in response to that. So it just, it seems like you're constantly chasing what this, this ignorance, this lack of understanding what exactly seaplanes are doing in the areas. So we're completely committed to working with not only the city commission, but also, you know, the, the residents of East Hampton to really have this dialogue. And again, unfortunately, seaplanes, because they are an anomaly, because they are this, you know, very small user group that people are unfamiliar with, there's very few people that have the knowledge that can help guide this discussion. And we want to do that. And we want to do it in a way that is compatible and being good neighbors with, with these people. I think one of the things that stood out to me, though, um, we had several people testify that were, we'll say, less than seaplane friendly and had negative comments about safety, which probably were not and, true. And in my in my record keeping, I, I don't believe during this meeting that there was one uh, negative comment that came from any one person that actually lived in East Hampton. They all came from other villages surrounding towns around East Hampton. I don't think I heard a resident. Now I may be wrong, but I, the, uh, my notes are. Showing. We were taking pretty good we, notes on this, so I may be that I may be overstating. But I, from what I, from what my notes say, it didn't appear that there were any residents actually of East Hampton that actually testified negatively. 
And so the concern was quality of life for the residents. And interesting, but they're not speaking for the residents. Well, this is the thing: is that the only local resident that uh, that we heard that that would vocalize their opinion was Catherine Sly, and she is a local East Hampton resident that's pro seaplanes. Exactly. <laughs> and so, and but I think that the. Again, back kind of back to the whole broader issue. I think this issue is. I think it is relevant, though, to pay attention to what the surrounding communities are doing in coordination with what's going on in East Hampton waters, because those waters. I, I think that if 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 this is done in East Hampton, and we're not able to find a solution, and the in the city is able to close those waters, ban seaplanes from those waters, it's. I think a safe assumption to think that the other communities will probably follow in turn. Oh, well, we heard that already. We already heard that it from from a, a man Southampton. Um, no, it was a man in Riverhead. Oh, okay, in Riverhead, and yeah. uh, and which seaplanes really don't ever, it, to my knowledge, I don't know of anybody that's been in there. I've been flying up there for a long time. I don't know anybody that regularly goes to to Riverhead, and then really, most of the time when people are flying over that particular part of the the landscape, are usually at least. 1,500 to 2,000 feet at a minimum uh, that are in that area. So I don't know. I, I'm not sure how we're – I'm not sure what the pro- productivity of banning seaplanes in that air, particular area is. But It I don't, sets a precedent. I, but it, just, it, just it continues, continues to set a precedent. To, to throttle things down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Eric, I really appreciate you getting engaged. I mean, you called me about this several months ago when we were getting kind of the winds that this might be coming – and then over the holidays, literally over the holidays, it popped up with very short notice, and and uh, we've been working to address it. And again, I want everyone to understand that we want to work with the local community, uh, but we also want to make sure that legislation and regulation is is really done with facts and knowledge, and not on hearsay and not on assumptions by people that don't understand what we're doing. Well, it was it was super refreshing to hear, you know, in kind of the preliminary part of the meeting that the that the folks in East Hampton um, stated specifically that they are interested in a democratic process and having a conversation and that is awesome like we are we are happy to engage in those types of conversations we just don't want to be we just don't want to be shut out and it does feel a little bit like hey this is proposed legislation and we haven't no one's contacted no one's contacted anybody that I'm aware of to say hey we can you do this better? Or, you know, what, what do you guys think of this? No, I don't think any operators have been contacted uh, it's just to, 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 to engage down. in any sort of conversation. It was just like, well, here's your, here's your pill. Please take it kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, we heard all of this, the concerns, but we didn't hear of, oh, wow, it's refreshing. We've got you guys in the hearing we're committed to working with you or, or we appreciate that you're doing this. And, and I think that's what I'm looking to hear is I'm looking to hear the city commission say, thank you for taking the time to take note of this. Thank you for caring enough to attend these meetings. And it's nice to know that the very people that we consider, you know, this, this reason for concern are concerned enough that they're engaging and offering complete cooperation to do what needs to be done to come to a happy resolution to the issue. Exactly. That's what we all want. That's what everyone wants a resolution. So now I think everybody has a different idea of what that resolution may be. (laughs) But, um, but, you know, it's interesting that on a day today, on what is it, January 7th, that that, 
today's the day that this hearing took place, and then there also was an announcement today, which is pretty cool. And and I I don't want to spoil, get, I don't I don't want to spoil uh, that, but but we should t- at least mention it. We can we can circle we can circle back to it uh, later on. But uh, it was a great day for uh, a company, uh, Tailwinds, and that there was an announcement today that uh, Boston Harbor is. Uh, they reached an agreement with the FAA to uh, a letter of uh, authorization or agreement to uh, to use the ATC facilities in landing in Boston Harbor. So this is pretty interesting. It's a big deal because we've been big, working on this a long time. It, too. it is a big deal, and so here we are, a, a, an area that really is congested, that really is um, lots of boats, lots of stuff going on in the sh- it, literally in the shadow of Logan Airport. Um, they're they're committed to working with uh, with a seaplane operator to to take off and land inside the inner harbor, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is, and there's been multiple operators working on this proposal to try to get this water exactly. open. And, and I hope that you'll I hope that uh, you'll be able to sit down with the, the folks from Tailwind and and they can tell you about what their plans are but that was pretty that was pretty great that came across as a press release earlier today we got we came out of the uh, city commission meeting uh virtually of course and um then eric got a, a text and um uh alan ram who is mentioned in this uh press release on on the passage well alan was in our meeting so he's had a pretty busy day so he's had a, he's had a pretty good day yeah pretty good day so so there's progress so there, there is progress going on in kind of the same area well it's it's, it's actually they're not. neighbors it's, 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 <laughs> they're very yeah. close pretty, pretty close neighbors yeah pretty close neighbors so so that's great uh it's you know so that's that's great and and obviously Hopefully, maybe that lends a little bit of support towards uh, towards the operation of seaplanes in, in those areas. I mean, um, obviously, the folks in Boston are concerned about probably the, many of the same issues that the that the folks in East Hampton are. I just think it's interesting because they're serving these areas. They're it's not like you guys are just flying around for the fun of it. You are serving the East Hampton community. You're serving those residents. They're obviously looking to serve the Boston residents. And so this should all just be productive economically. It it's it seems like it, there can be a positive resolution to this. And caravans are not exactly a noisy aircraft when they're flying overhead or operating. No, it, it, they they really are not. They're they're some of the the quietest. I know some folks probably don't believe that, but they really are some among the quietest production aircraft built today, and uh, and really. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there are certainly complaints in East Hampton about seaplanes flying overhead and this and that, but the only reason they're really identifiable is because of the floats the float. on the bottom. Yeah, they weren't around when we were flying two bladed yeah. beavers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, these are <laughs> a completely different uh, yeah, beast. Yeah. So, um, Eric, I think uh, I really appreciate, like to appreciate the fact that you're working with this advocacy issue uh, with us. And uh, it was so great to, to literally have you here on the call. And then we could throw you into completely unexpected into yes. a <laughs> podcast. Um, but I think it's important to show what we're doing, uh, what's the value of the Seaplane Pilots Association. And I remember John Kelly a long time ago saying, that Seaplane Pilots Association, you guys are all recreational pilots. You don't do anything for us commercial operators. Well, there's nothing that motivates me to prove you wrong, like someone saying that to me, where I'm like, oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. So we've got uh, uh, several commercial operators as very active members. We've got the director of operations of Kenmore on our board, and I'm very proud that we're not just representing the recreational side of seaplane flying. 
We're also working with the firefighting community and the commercial operators. It's protecting and promoting water flying. And our, that's, that's there isn't mission. an asterisk there. It's not like just for GA. We are we are protecting and promoting water flying. That's what we're looking to do here. Yeah. So, Eric, uh, it's good to I again I. I don't appreciate the situation, but I appreciate that you're here and we could work together today on uh, this issue in East Hampton. And I hope we can uh, bring the, the listeners some better news in, in the near future. I hope so, too. Yeah. Unexpected pleasure to be here today. So, Awesome. We are so glad you joined us today. If you like today's show, I highly encourage you to join the Seaplane Pilots Association and become a member of the largest seaplane community in the world. Members receive Water Flying, the only full-color glossy magazine dedicated to the seaplane community. And it's available in both printed and digital form. Your membership also includes access to the Water Landing Directory app, which has the Seaplane Flight School directory and a calendar of seaplane events not only here in the United States, but around the world. The association hosts regular educational workshops, safety seminars, and gatherings for seaplane pilots and anyone with a passion for seaplanes. So look us up online at seaplanes.org, join our community, and support our mission of protecting and promoting water flying.